0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Destination Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do within the world of alternative music, be that rock, punk, metal or extreme metal, and for this week and beyond. Uh, Coming up on this week's show, album reviews for Fit for an Autopsy, Thornhill, Puppy, uh, The Corpse Flower Project between Mike Patton and Jean-Claude Vanier, uh, Clipping and Jimmy E. World. Who knows, we might actually be able to make this weekly again. Probably unlikely, I'm due to move house literally any day now. Uh, we will start with, we will uh, briefly start with Mo- Motley Crew. They've reformed. They're fucking idiots. Moving on. Download. It's just got fucking big. Or announced. yeah, fuck off. Uh, so there's a, I think there's 34 new bands have just been announced. Something a ridiculous number like that. Um, I probably should have found a number. Grand total 37. There you go. Uh, the big hits include Volbeat, Killswitch Engage, Baby Metal, and Re- Pretty Reckless, according to Kerrang. But we're going to go through all of them. Isn't that exciting? Um, conveniently, Kerrang have put it in alphabetical order. So for Download 2020 next year, we have Airborne, Baby Metal, Baroness, Blackout Problems, uh, Bleed From Within, Blues Pills. That's not annoying, although they are very good. Uh, Bukasa, British Lime, Bush, Celador, uh, Moon Crow, amazing. Uh, Chelsea Grin, Dead Label, Dead Posy, Dying Fetus, Dying Fetus! What was it? Why not Dying Feters 2? Electric Boogaloo, uh, Electric Wizard, Kill Switch Engage, Lit, Lotus Eater, Mariana's Trench, Obituary, Periphery, POD, Power Wolf, Pup, Puppy, Skillet, Stone Broken, Theory, I was gonna say Theory Dead Man, that's not quite right, just Theory, uh, The Last Internationale, uh, Wind. The Pretty Reckless, the Wild Hearts, Tiny Moving Parts, Uncured, Volbeat, Wargasm, Wayward Sons, and Wednesday 13. Uh Ring Out Loud. It's not as bad as I originally thought it was gonna be when I saw a lot of those bands. Well, but when I sort of taught the poster for it. Um But it's still not great, is it? Am I mighty only under- I just It is tradition to hate every single download announcement that gets put out each year, each year, each year, and then people still go anyways, but genuinely. I do think it might be a bit bland this year. I already, I'm already, i already not a fan of the headlines as it is. And as it stands, the headlines are, on the Friday, you've got Kiss, Deftones, and The Offspring, I think. They've got a purple logo instead of just text, so I'm going to clue them in. The Saturday, you've got Iron Maiden, Gejira. And Sunday, you've got System of the Down, Korn, Volby, and Distur. They're the ones with the um, their own logos, so that's what I'm going to assume are like the big hits for each day. Now, a few people I've seen have pointed out the fact that underneath Iron Maiden and underneath Deftones for the Saturday and Friday, respectively, there is a gap there. Um, it I, I don't, If you compare it to the Sunday, you've got down Corn Volby, and See, so They have the four, the space for the four logos. So is that more sub-headlines to come, or is that just weird spacing? I don't know what the proper word is for like, spacing in text, but if it's just bad, that... In terms of the actual bands that are being announced, we'll go by Day by Day on the Friday. Um, starting from the bottom. Picasso are a band that always have like a lot of stuff talked about them, but I've just never got into them personally. I've thought they're... Um, I've only listened to a few of their tracks. I can't even remember how it goes, but I just remember thinking, this is just very normal of this kind of music. Um, British Lion. I thought that was the band with... Steve Harris. And if so, I found it really boring. Uh, blues Pills. I've heard one song of theirs, and it is insanely catchy. They are, well, the name suggests very psychedelic blues sort of stuff. Uh, very good if you like that sort of thing. I th- Personally, I think they would do better at a place like... Um, Bloodstock or Roadburn, but oh well. Um, Electric Wizard, more stony sort of stuff. Tiny Moving Parts are going to be fantastic, as are Pup. Don't know anything about Wayward Sons. Don't know anything about Theory. Airborne, they're, they're the ultimate party band, I think. Um, Blackfell Brides, they've just lost their um, bassist. Is that Ashley Parody, who's just left? Um, after saying last year that Blackfell Brides were about to split up, so that went well. Uh, and then Offspring, Deftone, Kiss. On the Saturday, Saturday feels like a more meckle kind of day you've got uncured dead label Lotus Eater, uh bleed from within will be a good shout i actually wasn't that big fan of error i know a lot of people pop their tits for it i just mm, just kind of blew me by uh chelsea grin chelsea grin blackout problems never heard of puppy will be amazing uh the last uh, <laughs> the last international don't know much about them dying features an obituary to big death metal heavy hitters that's why i think the saturday's gonna be a little bit more meckle for everyone in general especially with the headlines as well Stone Broken, the Wild Hearts would be a great shout. Bush did not realise they were still going. Uh Doubtree, why? Uh Pretty Reckless, also why. Kill Switch of Gage would be a laugh. Um gojira and Maiden sub and headlining. I've much rather seen Gojira headline, but never mind. And then on the Sunday, Dead posy Mariana's Trench, Lit. Everyone's gonna turn up for Oh, what is that lit song? I love it, it's a great song, don't get me wrong, but my own worst sending me. There we go, there we go. You remember that time? I can never remember anything when I record these. Uh where was I? Uh Wednesday 13 I really dug the last album. You can you can hear the review on it in the last couple of weeks. I can't it's a Halloween one where it's got orange text instead of, you know. Um POD, didn't think they were still going, but there'll be a laugh. Of Mice and Men, I haven't listened to the new album yet. It's on my to-listen list for... Not the week coming, the week afterwards. So, I still like... Um... Fuck, not Cold World. That was the one that came afterwards, which was shit. had You're Not Alone on it. And it's the album where I'm pretty sure I've tried to talk about it a hundred times and I can never remember what the fucking thing is called. Help me, internet. Uh, talk about yourselves. Restoring Force. Why can I never remember what the album's called? Um, love that album. Really, really liked it. Cold War was boring. I don't know. Cold War was just a step down. It was the one afterwards that was boring, um, unbreakable. And from what I've heard about this new album, it is a lot more in your face and a bit more of the metal. So, yeah, I'll be listening to that in two weeks' time. Periphery, there'll be... I think I've slowly warmed to Periphery over the past year or so. Um, I still listen to Reptile quite regularly from the last album, and it's a fucking slamming song. It's not often I'll sit and happily listen to 60 minutes worth of music, or 60 minutes worth of a single song. Powerwolf, great Shout, Ale storm Baroness, Baroness would be fucking great actually. Get rid of Skillet and just keep Baroness because you've got Skillet, Baby Metal, Baby Metal are going to be fantastic. They should be headlining. Um, disturbed, okay Someone needs to Volbeat will be a great shout, Corn will be a great shout And banana will be a great shout But the headline deserves to go to someone else In my humble opinion And Yeah, I think there's gaps You just had Rage announce a comeback But they're going to go with Woodstock for grown-ups I can't remember what's called, Coachella, there we go um, And Of off my Men Uh, My Chemical Romance, even I don't know where I got that from. Uh, My Chem. See, I think My Chem now because of like the all That's like, well, not the for all Sorry, but just the anticipation now that they've come back. I think they are beyond sub-headlining anything. I would have kept because I'm I'm very confident the fact that Andy Copping will have will have known much more about various different things and goings on more than the likes of me or you. So I feel like he would have the inkling that My Chem reunion was on the horizon so i would have just kept a little bit of mystery maybe kept well announced to the headlines just say oh weird mysterious things happening for the third headliner and then when um Mike chem announced their comeback you could say the third li- headliner is Mike M." and i would have been much more much more positive about that but i'm not allowed nice things this is why i don't get to book things but that's download it's Very mediocre so far. There's a lot of bands that I'd be interested in, but I have a feeling that they're not going to get the time or, like, the set times or lengths that I would give them because everyone's got their own preference when it comes to music. That's the whole point, but that's download. Do give me your your input. What do you think about download? Because even my housemate who was very pro download and, like, was all over it last year, whereas I was quite nonplussed. Even he was a bit, mm, maybe, about it. Also, yeah, I am intrigued to hear what y'all have to say for yourselves. But we're going to move on. We're going to move on to the album reviews, and we're going to start with Fit for an Autopsy and their new album, The Sea of Tragic Beasts. Uh, they're from New Jersey, and this is their fifth album. And they are they are still classed as a deathcore band, and they're one of the few bands that seem to be flying that deathcore flag. A, well, B, I want to say proudly. I don't think they're ashamed of that Death Chord tag anymore or at all. Um, I think they're up there with the likes of Carnifex or Die Art as Murder, Whitechapel, and I'm going to throw Suicide Silence in there as well. I know the previous self-titled album wasn't well-received. I thought it was alright. It's something different, um, but they're promising to go back to their heavy roots for the new album, which shows you should never change because people won't like you. Um yeah, they seem to be of that ilk where when it all came through they were one of the few people to actually blend death metal and metalcore well. And each of those bands have got some kind of pull about them whether it is the songwriting or the riffs or um, how much they try to expand the deathcore genre. Uh, fit for an Autopsy's pull seems to be that three guitar attack which just creates this fucking huge wall of sound in their music. They've got cascading wrists that just bounce off each other and overlap each other but not to the point where it's difficult or it's headache inducing or like you start talking about things like prog or math. Um, and amongst those three guitarists is a young boy called Will Putney. And I'm pretty sure I've talked about Will Putney a lot on the podcast. He is a very very good producer as a side, but he's done a fucking cracking job on this on his own. But he's worked the lights of Die Out's Murder, Vain, Harm's Way, Counterparts, Every Time I Die, Silent Planet. And like just from those bands, there's a lot of bands where I was like, eh, I could take it, leave it musically. But production wise, it was crystal clear and it was so crisp. And they got the best out of each one of those bands and what they wanted to do. And like another part with. As I was kind of touched on a minute ago. With Phinephor and Autopsy, they antithesized. Is that a word? Antithesized? They represented, we'll go with, because I know, I know that's a word. They represented what deathcore on paper should have been. Um, so when you had this blast of deathcore bands that came out in the early 2000s, everyone seemed to follow the same trend at the same time. And then you just had like people split from different directions what they were happy with. So you had everyone come in and just be like death metal, but with breakdowns. And they're like, all right, okay, this is this is a thing. Then a bunch of bands tried to be uh, who could play the fastest, and then you all had um these deathcore bands, which were borderline like power violence or hardcore punk territories, but with death metal, and it's just like, okay, this is just with bad production this is just literal noise and so you had a few people that went that way then you had the people who could play the deepest and that's when you start getting it's like slam and um downbeat territory and that was true personally but you had a bunch of bands that go through that and then you know if there seems to be a, like a wave with deathcore there's like a symphonic wave as well which i think uh, chelsea grin- chelsea grin went down Uh, Fit for an autopsy, as well as a few of those bands I mentioned earlier, they were one of the few bands to take the songwriting of new age metalcore and blend it with the speed, the ferocity, and the riffs of OG death metal. It's a similar sort of argument when you had when metalcore started breaking out, and you've got the commercial metalcore, we'll call it, which is verse, chorus, verse, chorus, breakdown the chorus played, or the breakdown played into the... Sorry, the main riff played slowly into uh, the final chorus, and then you you bounce between cleans and growls and this sort of shit. Compare that to what Metalcore is on paper, which is Metallic Hardcore. You are a polar opposite of that genre. Bullet For My Valentine does not sound like Converge. And, you know, it's on par with that. You've taken what a genre should be and they're the ones that we revere highly and they you know they're the ones that when you start talk about oh this is like this a new band of this genre comes out you you compare them to the people who make the genre as it's supposed to be instead of what you know the, the shitter end pretty much i don't like commercial metalcore and i don't like what is deemed commercial deathcore actual deathcore is kind of hit and miss with me still but you know For this, sorry, I lost my train of thought. For this, the riffs are there, the riffs are there in force, and that's why I think it belongs more to what actual Death Call is. You've got, um, I got a three guitar attack. They almost get to the, It's difficult, because when I initially wrote this down like to listen to, I just put it down as a straight-up death, uh, death metal record because of how much like the riffs play such an integral part to the music. Listening to it and finding out that they do blend the more clean vocals and just how they mould the music and how they write the music all together is what's brought me more to a Death Chord kind of sound. Just the the opening riff of the album, it just screams gajira. Like and I've, and I've seen like reviews make that comparison as well because it's such an easy one. But the opening title track, Unloved as well has an amazing array of um riffs all up in there and just musically for that sort of play, it's fucking heavy some of the things they come out with is always one of that case of how do human beings think that kind of shit? and yeah and in terms of like what i said before the death metal into the metal core there is a lot of very metal core feeling songs that like taking the influence from melodic death metal You've got the higher pitch. You've got the faster and melodic choruses. You've got some brilliant clean vocals in there. Just some, Again, the title track. I love the title track to this album. The clean vocals on there are just incredible because they're not the really whiny kind of clean vocals that a lot, played a lot of the metalcore and deathcore bands a few years ago. He is... It's quite a staunch roughness to it where... it's They are cleans, but they're not... You, know, you couldn't put them on like a pop record, for example, whereas a lot of those other sort of bands you probably could do. And it reiterates my argument that to have a melodic break in your music, it doesn't mean it has to be slow or it doesn't have to be meandering or something like that. You can have, in melodic death metal, in metalcore, and in deathcore, you can have those big, melodic, grandiose, um, traditionally choruses, but you don't have to break. In speed like you still got double kick drums on the title track and it fucking works and it fucking works well lyrically it feels like um excuse me the sea of uh tragic beast is a bit more it was it feels like a statement album they are angry angry boys is fit for an autopsy like on warfare it opens with the line uh when the fuck did everyone become sorry when the fuck did everyone decide to become politician all you do is talk but you forget how to fucking listen in birds of prey you've got villains of faith and poison manipulating the model citizen abuses of power the final hour a crushing br- a crushing brush of the fallen line as the gods Granted the whole for the last time and in shepherd you've got man is the cancer we call for death and the answers i love that line we call for death and the answers um, a thousand fires turn the forest into dust and bone, a wind so thick with ash. Uh, the statue shattered into stone. The leaders turn to lepers, begging to survive, scavenge for substance as the last is swallowed by the flies. I don't know why I struggle with that so much. Um, it touches on like very, very common lyrical tropes at the moment, You know, like the politics, environmental crisis, um, and just a lot of bands just spluttering shit. Um, The easy ones for me, because I don't agree with what they say, Um, uh, Phil Labonte from All That Remains, Um, Frankie Palmieri, Franzilla, just basically the ones where... Is it right-wing in America? I know very little about politics, so I don't know if they're the bad guys or good guys, but... They do spend it does feel like they do spend more time talking about how shit things are and how the left or the the, the opposite side of them have got it so easy whereas it doesn't really feel like that you say to them but what about this and they just like no just bat it away be gone thought or educational thoughts and i like the lyrics they are then they are like the the world of um that's not even where where metaphorical, which I've said before. I'm not the biggest fan. of They are on it. They are, well, they're the honest um, lyrics, but they're not so in your face. Of A plus B is this. It's just it, It's a bit more theatrical, which is like you know, the whole point of me. Lit, you can tell I've like tried doing my notes differently to this because I keep getting tongue tied. Um, and you actually just like reading back through. Those lyrics, they're not metaphorical at all, but they're just... Again, that's actually really brutally honest. But in such a very... What's the word I'm trying to think of? You know, like how English teachers are forever going about how the sky is blue, or what's it mean? It just means the sky is blue. What they want that to be, like the sort of language they want writers to use, that's what they are... Not they are, Fit for an Autopsy are doing. They're taking... Good hard points, and they are putting that like pizzazz for lack of a better word. And they're putting this like cover over the top of it to make it a more threatening because it is death core at the end of the day, and b just that message hits harder. The fucking line we call for death and the answers is actually really fantastic. I can more keep looking at am like, ah, that's really good. Um, as the album as a whole, then because I feel like this has been a bit of a car crash. The individual parts of this album are fantastic from you know the um, screams and the growls and the cleans of the vocals that guitar attack from the three guys uh the rhythms the rhythm section each individual part has such it's just fantastic they all play a part in this band so well but for whatever reason, and it's going to be a recurring theme for pretty much every album I've reviewed this week. I think it might have something to do like a clipping album. For whatever reason, the sum of its parts, I just can't vibe with it all. It's not, I'm not saying this is a bad album by any stretch of the imagination. imagination. Um, you know, get to about, about mirrors or an unloved, and you are in the point where you're like, man, this is just a hard hitting, heavy album. It's full of riffs and it sounds tight as shit and oh god the production it's all so fucking good even down to production even that's the artwork the individual part of this album is fucking great but get to mirrors or get to unloved and it's just like okay let's have something a bit different now and then for me by time at the end i think napalm dreams is a good finisher but by the time you get to the end it's like i just it's just very samey and i know it's hard to make di- well it's hard to make Deathcore expansive. We know that from Suicide Science. They tried that and everyone flipped their fucking shit. And yeah, it's just... And I feel bad because I want to like this album. There's a part of me that really, really wants to like this album. But there's also a part of me that's just like... It's just some music. And it's not good. It's not bad. I don't even, wouldn't even say it's... wouldn't go as far to say it's not good it's just not bad and i don't know if that's a better thing or not i don't know it's a, it's a weird one to put my finger on but I, it's what i also me to do this is my first album off fit for an autopsy deathcore is not something i follow a lot um i think i had a couple of i had like a list that was going to send me into like march Twenty twenty of albums I need to listen to, and there's a bunch of deathcore in there. I went through them all to find out, oh, what should I keep, what should I like, get rid of, and I think I got rid of all but one or two deathcore albums on the second list. And it's like, oh, actually, yeah, I could probably not, but it is what it is. If you like big rift deathcore, I even say if you're into like more just straight up death metal sort of things, you can give Fit for a Horse up to a go because the level of riffs and the groove behind it. I think it has more in common with modern-day death metal than it does traditional deathcore, but that's just me, as someone who's not familiar with the genres. But it is fit for an autopsy. I'll try it again. That is fit for an autopsy. Why are words. The album's called The Sea of Tragic Beasts. It's their fifth album from the New Joyzy Lads. And, yeah, big riftings. On to now the other side of the other side of the planet. We're going to Melbourne in Australia for progressive metalcore debut from Thornhill. Uh, the album's called Dark Pool, and they they mix a heavy, bounce-driven assortment of riffs with some atmospheric synths. Um, almost rhymed. The synths sort of bounce between borderline orchestral sort of stuff in the same way Architects do. Um, almost down to, like, the A.E.'s, like, slow-paced synthwave. or well, is that Chillwave? I might just re- remember what Chillwave is. Um, and it's a follow-up to their insanely popular Butterfly EP, which I got a friend at work who did not stop going on about that fucking EP. So that might have something to do with why I know about Thornhill. here. also was an Instagram advert, which... <coughs> excuse me. Was a pretty good one. Um... It was pretty. It was pretty good. I'll go into it a little bit more, hopefully, in a bit. Um, but the one thing that struck me with Thornhill, as opposed to a lot of bands of this ilk, is the vocalist. Uh, What's his name? Da, 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 da. Jacob Charlton. He's not. It's actually no. Some of the things to fit for an autopsy. It's not a squeaky, whiny kind of voice that just gets you nerve he has got a fantastic clean singing vocal to him um long may like a vocal like vocalist like these pop back up and start repopulating the music scene because we had a, a huge phase of like post hardcore metalcore and this that, and the other bands i keep thinking about it's not Pierce for Veil; it's the other one supermore sirens that voice just cringes me out um anyway we're not talking about I was talking about Thornhill. Uh, It starts off really strong. Uh, Views from the Sun has this beautiful um, synth swell to it. Um, When Jacob Charlton's clean verse comes in, I think they're more in common with uh, Chino Marino from Death Tones. The way that... The... Big swell of synths and that big noise behind... Uh, the vocal sort of like pushed up vocal even more, and pushed the uh, the music from, excuse me, the organic music from the rest of the band more. And then on the screen, on the screams that he does from the choruses, is like lots more drama and lots more the layered vocal effect and that kind of thing, and it adds to a bigger sound for the band. On the song "The Haze," I think drummer uh, Ben Mader or Ben Mider, Ben Mader really really carries the song well he's got a really uh interesting double kick rhythm on bass where i just infatuated by so i think he's done a really great job on there jacob as ever sounds fucking fantastic one takeaway from the album was the fact that the vocalist is insanely good um that whole instagram ad in the first place what brought me to checking out thornhill more than what my very hysterical friend did back in the day but And in cruel irony, it's a very similar thing to what I'm going through a fit for an autopsy where the individual parts of this album are fantastic. Um down to like the riffs, the guitar playing, the bounce, the groove, the vocals, the production. The more I look at the album artwork, the more I realise that, oh actually it's actually fairly interesting. But again, I can't it's not bad it's not a bad album in fact I'd go as far as I think I prefer this to the Fit for an Autopsy album but I can't I just don't know it's good but it's not I, just, I don't I just don't know there's a lot of really good things about this album it's not apart from like all the individual parts of the album it's not desperately repetitive chugging sort of metalcore you've got a decent vocalist behind it again which I keep going on about the atmospheric al- elements of the album, I'm always going to be a fan of um, atmospherics and synths and like a grandiose sound being added to any kind of album. Um, the riffs are fun, they're entertaining, they are, I won't go as far as to say like they've got a new metal bounce to them but they've got some kind of very erstwhile, catchy, engaging bounce to them and you've got a lot of clever lyrics in there as well, it's just, for whatever reason, again, progressive metalcore is not something i dive into a lot this is just you know a, me trying to i'm exploring my options after listening to every other genre for the past five or so years um actually more than that i'm gonna give myself more credit i've been listening to this music for music fucking years decade maybe um but yeah the world where this lives in that progressive metalcore bubble this is going to absolutely explode I already know my friend Mitchell is going to fucking love this album if he hasn't listened to it already. Um it is the debut album from the Melbourne Australia band uh, Thornhill. It's called The Dark Pool. What the fuck is happening in Australia to release A bands like this and B bands of this caliber just every 10 minutes like what's going on down there? Right. I'm just I'm really annoyed with the fact that I can't If it is clipping, then clipping is like the ultimate. What's the upset of Curse? Blessing and a Curse. For albums this week, or just in general. But I'm really upset that I can't enjoy brand new, well, new to me, genres of music. But we'll move on. Uh, We're going to look at an EP. It's kind of an EP. It's kind of a mixtape. No one's quite sure what. Um, It's by Poppy, who you might remember from literally earlier this year. Uh, it's called 3. I'm hoping it's called 3 and not I, I, I because that will just be annoying. is uh, called 3 and it's by Puppet. It's their third EP. They are from London, And of course they are a very occult driven alternative heavy metal band. They released their debut album Ghost start of the year, which was fantastic. Um, excuse me, as a quick spoilers into album of the year stuff, Goat, oh sorry The Goat, it's definitely making its claim up there it's insanely good it's been bouncing up there for well since it came out and yeah it is i'm a big fan of that album i think not having listened to the volume two ep that came beforehand and had a clean slate for the band i think it's helped me because a lot of people are like i just wish i expended on more from the ep i didn't have to worry about that at all i just took what it was and it was fucking fantastic the ep it was a very short build-up. It was it had a few teasers here and there, um, and it got released in conjunction, or in conjunction with the announcement of their Halloween show. And um, yeah, uh, for me, it wasn't as immediate as the Goat. I think the Goat because it opened straight away with um, Black Hole and Vengeance. You've got some slamming, rolling riffs um, that really get the album going off well. It's not so far as to say like this thrash metal, but the old school, like almost I made a sort of pace with like bigger, crunchier riffs to it. Whereas three opens with just in general, it's just got like a much slower place, slower pace to the overall album. Um, it's a the opener for three is a very slow, very bass heavy song in powder blue. And then, like I said, the rest of the album has got like a bit more of a relaxed feel to it. Out of the eight songs, you've got three that I consider like the closer to the goat level of very spooky heavy metal. You've got three of the songs which are a little bit slower down, a bit more doomier, and you've got two interludes or like sort of like jam songs. And it's mad the fact that I'm considering this a more relaxed, more chill that kind of album for Puppy. Considering 2019 for them has been festivals they've done, I'm pretty sure they're download not download, um Reading and Leeds and they've been at award shows and they've just recently done a co-headline tour of Europe with Bokasa. That was like all after the main album tour at the start of the year. So it's mad the fact that a so, well to me I would have thought like energy's still up, we must keep going and it's like nah you know what, we're just gonna we're just gonna go to bed. We're just gonna sleep and just chill out and just turn out some riffs here and there and just see where it goes, but uh, if anything, I'm surprised I've released anything at all because I will just nap for the rest of twenty nineteen, but that's because I'm a bitch. The So once the album once the song sorry, once the songs start to sit and you start to match the level of energy with the EP, you're not like up here my hands above my head. You're not up here trying to compare it to the goat or the, the compare it to the energy of the goat. once you sort of like relax and maybe it's not for me but some people like to have some floral encouragement we'll say. Um, it becomes a great 20 minute EP and a great 20 minute ride there's a new mum joking there somewhere but I'm not gonna be I'm, I'm not gonna rise to it. Uh, the slower stuff starts to feel more in keeping with demons or entombed. It's very slow. It's very methodical. It's very Sabbath in the way it blends doom metal with like riff-driven heavy metal. This is it, the EP. Kind of makes it feel like Will Michael's bass is like the lead singer or like the lead contributor of the band. They have the mix on the bass. It's just a simple thing. It's basically do what um, and Justice for All did, but the opposite. Um, but with it being like a much more doomy slower kind of vibe to the album the bass being the lead and having like this deep dark tone to it it just fits it really well like it builds up that mood so well and for the band and the ep the highlight for me is uh serotonin song fucking slams like where i said before like uh, the album as a whole was pretty difficult to get into serotonin from the off is insanely good that's the song where. If I had to pick one, that would be a song that would live on the goat. It is. I love that song. It's so fantastic. Um, and the rest of the album, like your Letter bomb Letterbomb, uh, Charms, they've all got like very catchy and engaging choruses. And it makes it a very, very good EP. Um, thankfully, Clipping didn't ruin this one for me. But I have really enjoyed Puppy. If you haven't really listened to Puppy, fucking do it. Um, they released that album The Go earlier this year, it's a debut album. It's fantastic. It's album The Year Contender for myself. This EP, not as good obviously, because they've set themselves up to high standard, and this is a very different vibe, in my opinion. Um But the occultist rock occult rockists, whatever they are, um, it feels more in keeping with their occult aesthetic that they've got going on. And I don't, I don't know where I'd sit, because I've got like a vague list of EPs of the year. I don't know where I'd sit, but highly, I think. Definitely definitely going to be spoken about at the end of the year in various award, not award, top 10 lists and shenanigans like that. But do give it a go. It's a third EP. It's literally just called Three, but in Roman numerals. The band's called Puppy, and they're British, and they're beautifully British, I should say, because they're from London. And yeah, support. Well, it's not quite local for me, but you know what I mean. Compatriots, the Queen, tea. Um, before yeah, well. before we get into the, I guess like I slowly I'm doing it as, this sort of way, but this the main event album for this week, I'm gonna try and talk about two non-rock, non-metal albums, which can only go so well. I think last time I did was for. Either the Ali Reza album or the Billie Eilish album. I can't remember what one came out, first or second, but we'll give it a go. We're going to start with Mike Patton and Jean-Claude Vanier and their avant-garde album, Corpse Flower. I think by now, if you're listening to a very low-key, very, very small, tiny even, uh, alternative music podcast, you will undoubtedly be familiar with... Uh, Mike Patton he of Tomahawk um, Fantomas I really hope I pronounced that right Mr Bungle and of course Faith No More fame and Left for Dead uh, Jean-Claude Vanier he is a French composer he has worked with um, film, TV as well as other musicians he is insanely popular in France one where has it gone I don't know if it's a performance piece or a film or whatever but I see the word Gainsbourg Thrown around with Vanier, attached to it a lot. Um, yeah, he's just one of those guys where in his native country, he is he is the bomb by the sounds of it. And Patton has got like a habit of doing these like composer collaborations. He's worked with John Eric Carter of Norway. I think they've done two albums together, actually, um, just called Patton Carter or Carter Patton, whatever it is. Um, he worked with the late Luciano Berrio of Italy. I don't know if I could say more British saying barrier. He's also worked with Anthony Pater- Pateras. Pateras? Why did I struggle with that? Um, Pateras of um, Australia. And he's also done one or two covers albums of like Italian film and doo-wop songs, I think. So in terms of like working with or working inspired by composers and arrangers, this is not new territory for him and in terms of what he can do musically this weird avant-garde thing is nothing new for him either musically the album is a collection of experimental rock you've got french pop in there uh, various orchestral genres i think there's a bit of jazz in there as well and quite often they are working in harmony in harmony in harmony together on the same song um, the most obvious example that I can think of is Cameo. Um, it has this like really jarring guitar hook, which then quickly turns into this like indie style verse, and then that gets cut off with, you know, when like, like B movies, old school like '90s B movies, where you had that like dun 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 sort of this dramatic thing has happened in a movie in this movie sort of thing. It's kind of like that—that that kind of like orchestral, like surge to it. And there's a big, like film noir vibe that comes off the album, like whether it's songs like "Chanson d'amour" or Insolubes. Really hope I pronounce that right because it's all fucking French. Those songs are particularly got this really like sultry feel to them, and like it comes from pianos or accordions, respective of the song. Um, it's either like. The music of like that, or it is Mike Patton himself, because he's just a mad, mad soundboard of like different vocal styles. He's got, in the album, he's got a spoken word. He's just got traditional singing. He's got a growl. There's various effects and layerings to it. He's got backing vocals. It sounds like at one point he's on the phone. He's got like a reverb to it. He's got like a stacky kind of thing over the top. Even stutters. To like, really enhance the character of the song. I think that was in. It was either Chanson d'Amour or Cold Sun, Warm Beer. And the album as a whole, there is a lot, because this is like, if you wanna pigeonhole it, this is avant garde music. And there's. If you're not know familiar with avant garde, it's basically just a fancy word of saying really fucking weird. There's a lot of excessively weird moments on this album. Um, I really like the end song. Pink and blue. Pink and blue, And yeah, I really enjoy it. It's just got beautiful to it, orchestration to it. Um, and Patton's vocal on it are just insanely good. Some of like, the softest things I've heard him do. But it opens with a line, When I drink too much, I shit my pants. It's not subtle. It's very much at the forefront. It's just... It's just quite in your face with the vocal. And I don't know because it's just how absurd the lyric is, but you've got that. A schoolgirl's day is this really, really unsettling narration of a schoolgirl's day. However, the spoiler is that it's her last day alive. Um, I won't give away how, but like the music, it becomes... I put um erratic, but I don't think that's right. It becomes more echoed uh, not echoed, sorry, panicked. Um I saw it echoed because of another rote. The way like the strings sort of like clash against each other and how like the build all the instruments go from like working in harmony together to now, like trying to fight each other where it like slowly builds to what would be like the song's climax. And it builds, it adds moisture, so you've got extra loops in there, you've got extra horns, patterns, voice. The clarity in that changes between, like, almost like a staticky y uh, narration to, like, a more echoed, like, narration of, like, a tannoy system. It's really bizarre. Um, yeah, I find it difficult listening to that song, because it is... It's a, The way it's been done is great, it's just, the actual song itself is just really... I don't know. I can't put my finger on it again, but it's just very odd and kind of unnerving. I think unnerving is the best way of doing it because it is so detailed in its description because it's done everything from, she gets up, she puts everything exactly how it's supposed to, exactly where everything lives. Um, She brushes her hair with a brush. She eats dinner with her family. She goes to school, she does um literacy, history. It's just the de- level of detail in each part of this girl's day is just... And in song form, it's just... Mm. 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 now I'm not sure. Um, Browning. Browning was like the lead single, I guess you could call it, from the album. I remember really liking it. Still quite like it. Um, it is still impeccably weird. It feels like one big introduction for this character. Um, interspersed with this like really upbeat, catchy chorus um that's got you know rhythmic clapping Mike sounding like a don as he usually does and the last song i'll like isolate is on top of the world which you could easily tell me that this is a new faith no more song and i'd believe you and it's a weird fit in terms of like how weird this album is having a song that's very faith no morey in amongst all i think that might be the weirdest bit because it's just if in the grand scheme of things obviously faith no more never been one for traditional normal but in a grand scheme of things this feels more normal and therefore makes it weirder it's a weird fit to put in there um, the album as a whole again another one that I wouldn't say is bad but it's as much as I'm saying it's not bad it's not the same way where the fit for an autopsy or the thornhill albums where it's not bad but I don't know why, it's not good but I don't know why I know where I sit with this, it's just okay. Because of how like weird and different it is, it is gonna be it's a hard listen. Um, it's definitely more experimental, definitely one where you sort of listen to it and you like ponder and stroke your beard and watch the rain and everything goes black and white. Um, yeah, I haven't had much experience with like avant-garde music outside like avant-garde metal, which has always got that metal side of things to bolster it or make it more appealing to myself, but a straightforward like jazz and french pop and orchestral and backed avant-garde insanely different to what I'm usually used to and yeah patton does a great job being mike patton he can do pretty much anything you'd ever ask him to do with a vocal um it's not going to make me want to go and look at more stuff from vanier i won't i won't i won't, I won't lie to you and uh, similarly i've got limited interest in looking at the other composer collaboration stuff that pattern has done if you like your music weird and if you like it where it's not all the way like car bomb where it's like excessively mathy um excessively proggy mathcore in fact um give this a shout it's it's if you want like i said if you want something different a pretty fucking different um it is called corpse flower i don't know if i said that at the start of the review actually um, it's a collaborative album between Faith and the More's Mike Patton and French composer Jean-Claude Vanier. Uh, Vanier, spelled V-A-N-N-I-E-R. I never spell that well. Oh, good for me. It's not. That, I don't even have dyslexia, and I'm pretty sure it's spelling. Right. I'm not sure if this would have been picked up in recording, like if there's like a, a blip in the sound, but in the time it's taken me to, or in the time between the review for corpse flower and what's coming up next i've gone off and just done a full day's work so that's just a little insight into my life what was once about five o'clock in the afternoon is now two o'clock in the morning but hey ho we we'll move on though we will look at clipping and their brand new album There existed an addiction to blood it's album number three for the la base trio Uh, In terms of musical genre, they are, if you were to pigeonhole them, I've seen a lot of people compare them or brand them as horrorcore, which, as I'm very quickly finding out, is beyond what Insane Clown Posse did, Um, whereas they're more like a bit of a caricature surrounding the genre horrorcore is very much quite an aggro and aggressive form of hip-hop um if you want to go a little bit broader clipping have got bits of industrial also hip-hop is there experimental your noise they are a much bigger beast than just the name or the brand of horrorcore or even just basic hip-hop um, it comprises of and this is the thing that's getting me quite interested. It comprises of um, producers Jonathan Snipes, formerly of the musical group Captain Ahab, and William Hudson, who couldn't find any, any other project he's been a part of. Um, they are joined by rapper and lyricist David Diggs, whom as with many musicians at the moment has a spot of acting as well he is got a role on the american sitcom blackish and he most recent well most known for i should say playing the lead in hamilton the musical from which he has earned a grammy and a tony award which little things like that i cannot think I think the only, well, the only other example I can think of is um, Will Smith's wife, uh, Jada Pinkett-Smith. She's got her own metal band. I can't remember the name of the band. I'm probably, but no, I won't um, Google it, but she's got her own metal band. I just love finding out that, I say normal people, they are all actors, so they are they're like extraordinary people, but. On the surface, quite, apart from obviously their job, very, like, normal, very relative people. Um, and actually, no, because they are at the forefront of media so often, you, you they've got this visor, and they're very smiling and happy at all times because the camera's always going to be there. And then this is, like, deep, dark underlaying of, like, savagery or just depravity. Um, for, for which this album... Definitely has a lot of all those things, but no, that's got nothing to do with the album. I just thought it was like a really cool little tidbit of information to know about the band and um, their vocalist. Um, so my relationship with hip hop, I, for many years, I subscribed to the, uh, the idea, um, the stereotype that if you are a metalhead or if you're a punk or anything like that, you tend to stay away from hip-hop. Hip-hop is... There's, no, there's basically no overlap. Um, you are... One side or you're another. You, you don't really go anywhere near that kind of thing. Um, the only hip-hop artist like I could say i listened to... There are songs here and there. I liked Lockenville for a while. They had a few songs on a FIFA game. Um, I couldn't really... I can't really think of any of the like, just single, on their own hip-hop songs that I really got into. But if I was going to pick a single musician, obviously, it would be Eminem. Um, but even then, as much as I've got a whole album of Eminems and he's got an extensive greatest hits um, collection, which I could happily listen to, it's very rare, even now that I've got a bit more on board with it, it's very rare that I sit down and say, you know what, right now, I want to listen to some Eminem. You know it just doesn't really happen for me like that um when everyone was kicking off about kendrick lamar that um two album sprint off to pimper butterfly and damn i thought I'll, I'll finally start divulging in listen to "Damn," and that was incredible listen to, P- to pimper butterfly and i was thinking about this earlier today well as i was walking home I think I might prefer To Pimp A Butterfly than Damn, which from what I've seen, a little bit like against the grain in terms of a general opinion. But from there, I decided that I did want to try and listen to more of this kind of music or at least get more bored with rap, hip hop. um, And that's where it all came from where you know, pretty much each week when I've got three or four, or sometimes even five at the moment, alternative music albums, there's usually like one alternative, sorry, more, one non alternative, so one very more streamlined, mainline kind of music album that I'll listen to at the same time, which obviously won't comment on because wrong sort of podcast for that. But I remember last year I enjoyed the um, Tech Nine album. He's got one out this year, but I didn't like it enough to warn him out. It's just, it's very daft. He's a very big character which there is a lot of them we think like rock um, fans have got it weird with like Axel Rose and Ronnie Radke and that kind of thing some of the characters you got in hip-hop are just unreal um this year excuse me I've spoken about the Ali Reza album um aside from one or two songs I'm actually kind of disappointed by it even though it is an earache album excuse me, it kind of it, it just didn't, didn't sit fully right. Um, Listen to the new What's album that came out this year, uh, the Post Malone album, Wicker Face Springs Eternal, which I think out of all of them, Wicker Face Springs Eternal will be one that kind of suits fans of um, or anyone listening to the podcast because it's a lot darker, it's a lot more sinister, it's a lot more broody. Um, by his own admission, he does blend, his album's called Suffer On, by the way, he does blend hip-hop with emo so definitely want to keep an eye out and I also really really enjoyed the Denzel Curry album but at the same time some of the worst albums I've heard all year have been hip hop albums um, the Logic album um, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind I cannot begin to go on it's even got Eminem on it but I can't begin to go on about how fucking Shit, that album is, um, and a lot of like big names as well. Even the big names, I still can't get my head around. Brockhampton, I liked the album last year. This Ginger this year was fucking atrocious. Um, Kill Bill and Rav was quite boring. Scarface and Ghostface Killer. There's a between just between those two albums, so I was listening to the same sort of time. There's a just about a great sets EP between them, but other than that all a bit toilet. So I am trying to get out of that, um, stereotype that I've built up myself. And at least nothing else. When I got friends around, I listen to music or, you know, there's a pie or something. I don't have to sit down and think, Oh, fucking hell. I'm going to have to listen to some damn dirty hip hop. I can be used to the kind of music that it is. And just sort of like try to enjoy it. And hopefully something will pop up that I recognize. Um, and so when Stephen Hill of um, Right Act Podcast, uh, podcast I mentioned a few times on here, I take, I'll happily admit, I take a lot of inspiration from what Steve and Renfrew are doing over there. When he started going on about this new hip hop collective, this new hip hop album that wasn't your stereotypical hip hop, it belongs in a very alternative world but still has no trace of metal or rock in there. And ha- just how much he banged on about it, it sounded like something I just had to have a look at. And oh my Lord, I, I've said about it at the start of the show with um, the Fit For An Autopsy album, the Thornhill album, that listening to this album has sort of like swayed my view on the rest of what I listened to this week because Usually, I try to like run through the um, four or so albums I've got to listen to, just like sequentially. So after another, after another, after another. Or sometimes I'll just binge one all day, and then I won't go near it again for a while to like catch up on the rest. All this week, all I've been doing is going back back to the Clipping album. I just keep, and it's not like I'll listen to one or two songs from it. I will put it on from the start, and I'll listen all the way up, not quite to the end of Piano Burning, because that literally the end song of this album is literally 18 is it i always thought it was 14 no literally 18 on the dot minutes of a piano burning and somehow i'm just looking at the um wikipedia page it has a writer her work often involves recording natural found sounds she's also a recording fluxes inspired pieces involving burning or drowning pianos how do you drown a piano that's a question for another day um Annie or Ania Lockwood. Fucking from New Zealand, of course she's a bit. uh, Oh, yeah. That's, again, that's that's some other time's problem. Um, So, yeah, I think that kind of leaves us with this as a stupendously dark album. And I've written that it satisfies that dark, twisted desire, that dark, twisted enjoyment that. Alternative music fans get from heavy music um, any anything that scopes the range of heavy music it was black metal that du- and death metal doom sludge um, even like straightforward like riff heavy heavy metal and like you take a band like puppy who've got that they have in the grand scheme of things compared to like extreme metal they've got a quite a clean metal kind of sound but they are bringing in the slight stony edge and their whole um, Theme and image is very based in the occult. It all is satisfied similarly in a similar sort of way as this clipping album. Um, It is draped in horror and abrasion and flat out aggression from start to finish. There's a lot, there's a lot of use of heavy static um, to the point where you can consider some songs noise rap. The song nothing nothing is safe feels like it's sampling the theme from halloween john carpenter theme which a couple of people have picked up on since i've read um you've got interludes here and there and i believe it's haunting and possession where haunting is a woman going on about how she keeps having like weird activities happen in her apartment you know like a cat appearing when neither her or the previous tenant or any of her neighbours own a cat. Um her bed sheets will get tugged, she'll hear her knocking or running around. Um and then in possession, she it sounds like she's having a conversation with a mad doctor who Like starts saying, like, you it's all paranoia, look at my watch and starts doing like you know, it's very typical, like you what um look at my watch, not around a watch. and you're gonna get hypnotised by it. Starts off with that and she's like, You're just imagine you're falling asleep. Your eyes are very heavy. And then it slowly becomes a thing of where, you know, he's got, he's got sinister intentions. And it becomes very dark and spoopy. And then the song story seven, it's part of like a higher uh, narrative that they've took, that I've seen that they've um, written about in previous releases up until, their this an addiction to blood. Um, that song is fucking incredible. Um, uh it's hard it's hard to talk about without putting it without spoiling it because the narrative of the song is interesting it took me a couple of listens to go around like the full extensiveness of the lyrics in fact once you listen to the song a few times you get the basic idea of what they're doing and then when you listen read the lyrics and you find the story like how much detail the story is being given and then i read it on genius which obviously if you not familiar, it gives you context to uh, lyrics and it starts saying how this pit's is referencing this version of the story and this part is referencing this version. So now I want to go back through the clipping back catalogue and try and piece together the song myself, but I still don't think there's all those parts out. I think you got story one, five, seven, and two, but I might be mistaken, it's just pulling numbers on my ass. Um, and to give it like a very brief overline, um you've got a PI who like does his job to satisfy like what's going on in his life. Um, a female character involved in what he's doing, then goes off to try and like continue satiating her needs. She's not all she's cracked up to be. And that it's just full of like twists and turns. It's all horror film. It's all very much, the golden age of horror, sort of thing. It's and the way, like the verses of him rapping, like a narration, and then the chorus kicks in, and it's like overlap vocal, but it, it definitely has the feel of a chorus. He's still the narration of what's going on, but just the execution he does it in is very songwritery, which is a daft thing to say I know, but once you listen to the song you can't I hope you will at least otherwise I just sound like a fucking idiot. You kind of get what I'm trying to say. It's it's a narrative but it's built like a story or built like a song story. Um yeah it's 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 a hard one to put up but just no song is fucking insane. Um and it's a lot of sharp uh tempo changes as well in I sing it out all in your head um which has got some guest vocals from Counterfeit Madison and Robin Hood. Not that Robin Hood. And just the way like a lyric will happen and it's got like your standard beat and then it's just got very abrasive cut for like the the actual beat in the background. Um the music in the background. So the rapping parts are done by Robin Hood. She will like just spit the rhymes out, and she's actually really, really great in the song. And then it will get to the chorus, and it's just like a lot of you know, like when you plug a guitar amp in, you get that like sort of noise. It's that. It's swells. It's noise, and you just got David um, very monotone and very like blunt with his words, and using very few words at like that. And it's a lot of that, and then at the end you've got Counterfeit Madison almost doing like a prayer in the end. And you think you've got the like jittery, stop-starty, static noise of the bulk song, and this very like isolated, very coldly executed prayer at the end. Um, and all that is combined with, and it, it's a recurring thing throughout a lot of the album. Very low-fi vocals. That, Like similar to what I was saying about the Mike Patton album uh, David uses a lot of different effects on his vocals not just rapping and singing and you know almost borderline spoken word sort of stuff Um, it's a lot of static it's a lot of it sounds like he's singing down a telephone or through a radio or something like that Um, I've compared it to imagine if Code Orange made a full hip hop album like no guitars no um bass or drums in that traditional sense all a hip-hop album and the experimental clashing stop-start sound of music that they would do in their hardcore music transferred into hip-hop and I think that's pretty far and away what you would get for clipping um, lyrically it's a lot rooted in violence and his- like, the racism throughout history a lot of horror in there um, Blood of the Fang's got the lyric Brother Malcolm Dunn told you by any means so what y'all talk about um, all on the same team and they've got a lot of cutting lines in Blood Fang along that line which are so fantastic bringing up how like the history of um, police and violence against African Americans like general violence against African Americans racism we had over the past 100 years and beyond use 100 years purely because it's like Emancipation Proclamation, or like McGovern's civil rights movement from the 50s, 60s. Um, Which someone, no, it wasn't someone, it was a post I read the other day. Um, Martin Luther King and and Frank were born the same year, and they would have only been 90 this year. And that tripped me up something fierce, because everything they stood for wasn't that long ago. (laughs) And that's, yeah, that's a fucking weird one um in run for your life i've got the line boosting up the murder rate hannibal Lecter, your face chainsaw you, chainsaw your ribcage, under the missing person case that's like the obviously the more horror side things and it is it's unrelenting it just doesn't give a shit and it's fucking wonderful for that um i've written that sto- um, story seven again every line in that because it does read like a, a full horror narrative story that you're going through um, I just I cannot, I, I, the reason why I put um, this and the Mike Patton Jean-Claude Vanier album in is because they, although they aren't metal or rock or anything to do with either of those genres I advertise this as an alternative music podcast D- absolutely these are alternative to the mainstream norms um and it's frustrating because i want to talk about more the clipping album but well, in fact no especially the clipping album i want to talk about it more but because my palette is for you know guitar based music and heavy music and that sort of thing i just don't know what else to say other than it is horrifically dark um this album it's not your traditional kind of heavy but it is still an absolute riot of an album um and like i said it's one of the few albums where i don't go in and just look for a particular song Normally the songs are there um going back to story 7 again it has got like a really catchy chorus to it um nothing is safe it's got a big powering chorus to it as well uh La Mala ordina with al camino and benny the butcher i think is probably the closer you'll get to like a standard dark hip-hop kind of sound um club down in the verses are so attacking so like almost painful on the ears and then the chorus kicks in it is like the songs are there but just as much. If you start intro and go all the way there. And you can even, like I said, you can cut off piano burning. So if you go from intro all the way down to attunement. Um, with pedestrian Deposit. You'll just get lost in this world. It's fucking unreal. Um, and yeah, one of the reasons I bring it up as well. Is because I genuinely think. If you go for like the heavy, aggressive. Like metal kind of music. gives us a go because I do think there is, this is a sort of like crossover album. And I think going on, I do absolutely plan to go through Clipping's back catalog. Clipping can be one of the next bands to break through the hip hop mold into um, the world of rock and metal in the same way that Prodigy did. And kind of in the same way that um, Pendulum and lesser Point, but Chase and Status did as well. 100%. It's just a fucking... I love it. Definitely the best non-rock metal album I've listened to all year. And I'm more interested to find out where it's going to fit in my end of year um, top 20s and even top 10, dare I say. Um, yeah, it's fucking incredible. Give it a shout. It is... There existed an addiction to blood. The band is called Clipping. With a full stop at the end. And yes. Very very good. Very very aggressive. Experimental. Horrorcore hip hop. Whatever that means. We're going to get to the last album. Of the week. Night for me. Because it's nearly half past two in the morning. And I should probably go to bed. Um, But we're not going to stop. Until we talk about Jimmy Eat World. And their brand new tenth album. Surviving. Um the Mesa Arizona Lads, or I think at this point they can be classed as legends, ten albums in, twenty-five years in. Um and it's the first full-length Jimmy Eat World I've ever really gone into. I've never not liked Jimmy Eat World. They they like every song of theirs I've heard is instant gold. They are like, outrageously good song um, songwriters. Um, I just don't know why I've never actually gone in proper on an album. But, I'm probably, the, having said that, I'm probably a exa- uh, bad example of this, but, what, is it just me, or does it feel like Jimmy Eat World are constantly on, like, the back foot of being second-guessed? Like, I never really thought about it. I read another review for um, Surviving and they said um, everyone's favorite underdog, Jimmy Eat World. I was like, how can you be an underdog 25 years into a career, 10 albums in? You know, like, I know this is coming from a wrestling fan who you've always got the underdog stories of like Rey Mysterio or Daniel Bryan, but at this point, Given how they can compete and how they wrestle, they're not really the underdogs anymore. They are the top of the pecking order in terms of talent. How are Jimmy Eat World then still seen as like the lesser guys? Like you've got a history of like bands who nearly made it and then broke up. So you got Earth Tone 9, you've got Botch, you've got Ocean Size, and most recently you had Feed the Rhino. But Jimmy World, I've never really heard anyone say, "Oh, this is a really bad album." Then, "Oh, they did too much experimentation here." It just wasn't very good. They've been extraordinarily consistent and revered for the past twenty-five years, and yet the album surviving. I think I came, I'd like heard about it the day the album came out, maybe the day or so before. There was like no fanfare online. There was, I saw very little in terms of build. There's been no excitement really. I've never really seen many people talk about it since it has come out. But for Jimmy World fans, I feel like it does tick every box that you're after. And even just like uh, fans of like Power Pop and Nemo and that sort of thing, who like me have listened to the greatest hits of Jimmy World and never really gone in as a full thing. I don't see what's missing. I don't see what Jimmy World need to do to become. Like I would say, the the wave of emo that they help inspire. So like your Menzingers, maybe I don't even go as far to say even your um, Wonder Years. I think they surpassed Jimmy World in terms of billing for a festival. I think easier they could trade, like, Who's Supporting Who for, like, a, a headline tour, or even do co-headline, but... Certainly Menzingers, maybe maybe not one of the years of the festival, but certainly Menzingers, the sort of trajectory they've been on recently, all the past, since since their own inception. Hi, it's a weird one. Um, we'll, like, we'll... Touching it a little bit later, but for now, let's like stick to surviving. Um, from what I've seen, Jimmy World have kind of like a two pronged attack in their music now, or like two different iterations of themselves. You've got the classic, more rockier kind of stuff from, you know, like Bleed America and Damage and their early albums. Oh, excuse me, it's the first year one. That's not a good sign. Um, and in futures and their previous album integrity blues you've got a dreamier moodier kind of sound to them and it's never strayed away too far excuse me from that core uh jimmy Eat world sound like you put a song on it doesn't matter if it's from the very dreamy side of futures or the very like rock heavy like salt sweet america um no sugar salt sweet wherever it's called the bleed, the the bleed american song um those two spectrums you know it's always going to be um jimmy world both the songwriting the sound and uh jimmy atkins voice all very very key characteristics of the band so you're always going to like realize it's them and in surviving i think there is a good mix of those two sides of jimmy uh, jimmy world um I wouldn't go as far as to say this is a perfect blend of the two album of the two styles to make it one sonic sound that Jimmy Wolf can go through in the future. I do think there are songs that individually, these are your rock ones. There's a couple of the dreamy Up side. It is more of a rock feeling kind of album. Um, the album opens with like a weezer rivaling heavy guitar power pop title track. Which is, you know, it's very much established that this is a, a rock album again, um, and it's got like a the very classic bombastically loud um, chorus, which I I want to call them like peak Jim Adkins clean shouts. I d- what is how do you describe? Because if I say yell or shout or yelp or anything like that, my me if, if I was reading it, my media thought would be to like um, hardcore or you know anything like that. When it's just like the big vocal is—is is it just is it just a big vocal? You know what it is because as soon as you hear it, because it's Jim fucking Adkins. But yeah, I w- I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what the right word is, and I still don't know what it is. But you know, you you you, you, you just know, right? You just know. Uh, from the soundtrack, track, you get into Criminal Energy, which is a wonderful, fucking, brilliantly catchy, straightforward pop rock song. Um, showcases the guitar playing of Adkins and Tom Linton. Uh, when you get to track three, Delivery, that's where um, the more dreamier stuff comes in. And Delivery itself has got this like shimmering synths and a very indie pop drum beat from Zach Lind um, that is played alongside perfect harmony of acoustic and echoed, um, or reverb, whatever the proper term is, electric guitars. Um, and... Rick Birch's bass playing on the song sort of underlines like a bass beat. That's not a bass beat. Like a dance song. That's sort of like pulsating kind of rhythmic beat in the back. It's very much plays like that's so why It's got this huge pop influence in the song. But if you want a pop influence in the Jimmy Eat World song, go to track four. The song is called 555. Holy fucking titties. That song is fucking unreal. Like, holy good goddamn. Um, I heard noises, as I said, that I am really hope it was my chair and not someone about to eat me. But hopefully it's just someone outside falling over. But yes, 555 is in. Oh my god. Um, I wrote down that it's like a beautiful early 90s gothic pop sort of feel to it 100 percent i can feel a lot of shakespeare sisters in this song which i only found out today that shakespeare sisters is made up with one of the girls from bananarama i had no idea um for some reason that really really struck me as a key bit of information that i want to share so there you go um yeah like to talk about everything i just said about delivery like shimmering synths and this like beautiful like bass line everything you could want from a modern day indie pop song is in 555 jim adkins just sounds like an oh, it sounds dumb as shit but he sounds like an absolute angel in the song it's so fantastically brilliant um it's worth it just for that song to be honest um and elsewhere on the album you've got like sort of recommit which is another folk tinned tinged excuse me um melancholy track um, gives me a lot of like uh, a reiteration of I'll see you back from damage we'll say I see a lot of eyes from that the closing track congratulations it has like a weird passive aggressiveness to it which I'm fully digging um, the vocal harmonizing on the song is one of the better attempts of bleeding the dreamer dreamier sort of stuff in with the more rockier kind of stuff in there. I said rock like an asshole, I'm fully aware. And the peak, well, apart from 555, the peak comes from all the, say, all the way stay. Because um, it features saxophone. The greatest thing to happen to music in 2019, the saxophone. Um, and also as well, boss, boss, we're talking about the song. Um, some beautiful backing vocals from Courtney Marie Andrews. Um, And it really ties off the song really, really well. Um, Starts with literally just like backing up uh, Jim Adkins through his vocal parts. And then she's got her own part where it's just her. And Jesus Christ, she's got a beautiful voice. And it fits this whole power pop emo uh, thing that Jimmy, where it's got going on. Um, I see no reason why people aren't more on board with Jimmy World. Especially now when Emo's making such a big fucking comeback past few years. you got like the what are now like the old school even though they haven't been around half as long as uh, Jimmy World. You've got the old school heroes of um, the Wonder Years, the Menzingers I can't think of a third because it's half past two in the morning. And then you got like a lot of the new away sort of stuff so you've got um spanish love songs what was the one that i reviewed this year that i really got on board with um you got minor love you have got virginity you've got um i think nervous has got a bit of emo in there fresh oh god fresh you've got so many of these bands coming through and Emo, like I said, especially Midwest Emo, it's making such a big comeback. So why aren't Jimmy Eat World at the front of it saying, we were here first and everyone giving them the praise that I feel they should be deserving of? I don't know. Maybe I could be completely wrong. And then there's someone listening to this from the States saying, actually, Jimmy Eat World just booked in to do a headline show in each state. Um, They are the hottest thing since Fresh Chips. And I will put my hands up and say, you know what, fair dinkum, you you, you did the thing. I can't argue that, but... I'd love to see... I just don't... I'd love to understand why there's... If there's something holding them back, or they just never really pursued in the same way. I can't believe I forgot to mention Tiny Moving Parts. Um, but yeah, baffles me. Someone can give me an idea, all up for it, but... And I feel like it's like a really underwhelmingly short review for Jimmy World. Again, I finished writing this at about 4 o'clock this afternoon. Then I went for house viewing. Then I went to work. Well, did a recording. Then did, went to work and finished off this recording. So, I'm going to go to bed now. Um, who fucking knows when this, the time frame between me now and the release will be. I'm rambling. I'm just going to go before I hurt myself. Next week, or whenever I next see you, because... We know what time is at the moment. Um, I'm going to be trying looking at Alcest. Obviously, the big post-black metal boys. Um, Some really fun traditional punk rock in grade two. Some also traditional, but for different reasons. Black metal from Mayhem. Post-hardcore from Refused. And some melodic hardcore, the Sinus off from Can't Swim. And I've also added another hardcore EP from a band called creature which so far it's actually been really really great so look forward to all that and more next time i see you and go to bed that's all i've got bye